1: everybody tonight, if you could open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 21, verse 17. Acts chapter 21, verse 17. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. So what has happened now is Paul, coming from Asia, he's landed Um, In Tyre, in Lebanon, he's gone down south. He's now in Jerusalem. And the brothers there received him gladly. And we talked about this last time. It's neat to know that no matter where you go, there are brothers and sisters in Jesus. And you should seek them out. Even if you go to a foreign land or a foreign state, And you're there for a few days. See if you can find some brothers and sisters in Christ. Because there's one thing in common. And that's Jesus and His Holy Spirit. Verse 18. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James. And all the elders were present. Now this James is the Lord's brother. Isn't that amazing? This is uh, James, Jesus' brother, who now is the head of the church in Jerusalem. And again, we have to remember that Paul that we're talking about here, who was Saul 30 years, a little less than 30 years previous, he was a persecutor of the believers in Jesus Christ. So James knew of him when he was notorious. Now he's meeting him face to face like we talked about last time. Philip, remember, Philip was a buddy of Stephen who Paul gave permission to have him murdered. So we talked about reconciliation and how we should always be trying to be um, loving towards those people who have hurt us, uh, those people that we are in conflict with. And we can only do that through the supernatural love of God's Holy Spirit. But I wonder what it was like to meet James. You know, uh, I don't know how much time they had together, but what kind of questions would you ask James? If you met James, one day you will, you know, and what would you ask him? What was Jesus like as a kid? Did he go through the terrible twos or was it the magnificent twos, the wonderful twos? Uh, What did he like to do? What was his favorite food? What kind of sense of humor did he have? You know, these kind of things that James growing up with Jesus, Jesus was James's older brother, you know, there's a lot of insight that he would have. So what a cool thing that'll be one day to just find out James' perspective. And remember, James didn't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. It wasn't until after the res- uh, crucifixion and the resurrection. But here is James now in Jerusalem and Paul is going in and he's meeting James and and, and the elders. And in verse 19, when he had greeted them, he told in details those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And in Romans chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs and wonders, by the powers of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So we know, through the journey that we've taken with Paul, throughout Asia and Greece and you know, coming back through Cyprus and all that area. All the people, the hundreds and thousands of people that he had an impact on, but he gives all the credit to Jesus. And then I think of James, what he must have thought when he heard Paul's recollection of everything he did in the past few years. All that Jesus had done and how James must have been pumped to see how much stuff his brother was still doing. Because he's alive. He's a resurrected Jesus. He's here today, just like he was back in these, you know, a couple thousand years ago. Jesus is still busy. He's still working on hearts. Amen? I mean, I'm looking at hearts. He's working on and has worked on. And the same with you. So that's a beautiful thing. Verse 20. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed. And they are all zealous for the law. They say that during the time that Stephen... Now remember, Stephen was approximately 25 to 30 years before Paul now is back in Jerusalem. At the time of Stephen, there was about 25,000 believers in Jesus Christ. In just that short amount of time, the three years of Jesus' ministry on earth, His death, His resurrection, Pentecost, about 25,000 people. Now, the time that we're looking at right now, Is about 57 or 58 A.D. Okay? It's about 20, 25 years, well, around 25 years later. By the time the temple is destroyed, they say there is close to 100,000 believers in Jesus Christ. So the temple is destroyed in 70 A.D. This is around 57, 58 A.D. that we're looking at right now. So within 12 years, 25, well... Of course, it's probably more than 25,000 at this time, but it gets 100,000 believers. And it started with 12. How many people have been influenced for Jesus Christ through you and through me in the time that we've been believers? And how many more is God going to reach through us before we meet Jesus face to face that's exciting to think about that to put it in perspective you know we can look back and see Paul and the influence he had and even all his prison imagine if we didn't have any of Paul's prison letters how wonderful they are and how they've influenced us and grown our faith over the years And he wrote him in prison. Fascinating. Verse 21. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. So what's going on, again, is none of that is true what I just read. Paul did not do any of those things. He wasn't telling the Jewish people that they didn't have to be circumcised. He didn't say that they didn't have to walk according to the customs of Judaism. But there were enemies of the cross of Christ. There were enemies of Paul. And they were starting rumors. And you know how rumors can impact a life or a group of people remember when I first met Pastor Joe, he said, always facts before acts. And how uh, wise is that? You know, I mean, how many times are we thrust into a situation and we might be on the gossip train right away and we haven't even checked it out yet. We don't even know if it's true. And here, 2,000 years ago, and we can go back more than that, Rumors what they can do in a person's life. So, James and the elders are concerned because they're living in Jerusalem. Now, there are Jews, and there are also those Jews who have accepted Jesus as their Messiah. So you have two types of Jews in Jerusalem right now. Plus, you have these Asian Jews that have come from Ephesus, and if you remember, they, they were up there with, uh, in Philippi and, and Berea. They were always chasing Paul. And here's some more that have come to give him a hard time. And they're trying to stir up the crowd. Now remember, the crowd at this time in Israel, in Jerusalem area, there's like 500,000 people on it normally. Well, now you talk about, remember, he's coming for the, peace, the feast of Pentecost is happening right now. You're talking about a million and a half to two million people. It's just inundated. People come from all over to celebrate the feast. So there are many, many people here. And the Asian Jews who are stirring up the trouble know that if they can get this spark into a fire, it could cause really some problems For Paul. So James and the elders. In verse 22 say. What then? The assembly must certainly meet. For they will hear that you have come. So basically they're saying. Hey Paul. Everybody knows you're here. The word is spreading like wildfire. What are we going to do? How can we show them. What's really the truth? So in verse 23. Therefore. Do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may sh- shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keeping the law. So what they wanted to, Paul to do was to show everybody That he still followed the law. The problem is, he wasn't under the law anymore, just like you aren't under the law. Like Paul said, you know, and we've been there, and you might be there right now. How many times do we say, you know, I do the things that I don't want to do? Who's going to deliver me from this? body or of death? And the answer is Jesus Christ. So here, Paul is not under the law. He's been free, just like you've been free from the law because now you're guided by God's Holy Spirit. You're no longer under the law. But that doesn't abolish the law. The law is still there because the law is something God uses to bring you and me to Christ. The Ten Commandments. If you've broken one of the Ten Commandments, you're guilty of breaking them all. We're all sinners. We all fall short of God's perfect standards. That's why we need a Savior. But more than that, once we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, He gives us His Holy Spirit, so now we are in the Spirit, and we're not under the law anymore. But by being in the Spirit, you know what we do? We fulfill the law. I think I mentioned before, you know, on a college campus, they go up to the 20th floor, two buildings. They put a sign on one of the lawns that says, do not walk on the grass. Kids are up there, they're watching all the people who don't walk on that grass that doesn't have a sign. And this grass that says, do not walk on the grass. Well, guess what? That's where the sign is, is where they break the law. People are walking on the grass. Why? Why? Because it's in our nature to break the law. Why? Because we are sinners. That's why Jesus came. To wash away our sins. To give us a new life. So that we are no longer lawbreakers, but spirit followers. So, the elders who live among all the Jewish believers want Paul to show that he hasn't condemned the law, that he hasn't uh, forsaken the law. Remember what Paul said, that he wanted to be all things to all people. To the Jews, he wanted to be like a Jew. To the Gentiles, he wanted to be like a Gentile. So what he is doing here, he's going to go... And meet those guys, those Jews, where they are, the four men. We'll get into that in a second. To show all the other Jews that he is not in rebellion against the law. The only thing now is he knows the law doesn't save. You can't follow the law and get to heaven. You have to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. It's not what you do or don't do. It's what Jesus has already done. So he's going to become, he's going to go and show the Jews, hopefully, that they'll get it. Because remember, this is all new to the Jewish people. Jesus has only been gone 15 years. Or maybe, I'm sorry, about 25 years. That's all he's been gone. But his Holy Spirit has been working people are coming to know Him as Lord and Savior. There might be parts of a law that you're still under. You might have come from another denomination. And you might be still dealing with those things that maybe you grew up as a little kid. But Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of your faith, is always working. He never stops sanctifying you and setting you apart and teaching you and giving you knowledge and showing you the truth. Not preconceived notions or man's way, but his way. So now Paul is introduced to these four men. So these four men most likely are taking the Nazarene vow. And if you remember, Paul did this in one of the previous chapters. John the Baptist was a Nazarene. Samson was under the Nazarene vow. That's where they wouldn't go uh, by any dead animal, dead person. Uh, They would stay away from uh, wine, anything from the grapevine. They were set apart. They were sanctified. So Paul's going to do this, but notice what they said here. In verse 23, we tell you, we have these four men who have taken a vow. And in verse 24, take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourselves also walk orderly and keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. And if you've been with us way back in the book of Acts, several chapters ago, that was what was already decided in the Jerusalem council. And Paul was going to take that with Barnabas and his other buddies, and they were going to go across Israel and to Asia and to Greece and that whole area and tell them that you know... Longer are under the law, but you are free in Jesus Christ. And remember, some of them, like Apollos, didn't realize that Jesus was risen from the dead. They didn't have the complete story. And when they were told the complete story, and they were filled in about Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit to live in every believer, they had a totally different perspective. Because again, they were no longer under the law. They were under the guidance of God's Holy Spirit who was living in their very being. Verse 26. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. So just about a minute ago, we talked about how they said, well, why don't you, Paul, go along with them Pay their price and show everybody your stand, where you are, as far as the law. Paul agrees to do that, again, hoping for a good outcome. But we're going to see what happens is a riot takes place. It wasn't the outcome Paul expected. However, God... Was in it. As he always is. Sometimes you and I. Make a decision to do something right. Hoping that it's God's will. We prayed on it. We don't have a clear cut path to take. But we take it anyway. Hopefully it works out. Sometimes it works out 50%. And sometimes it's a bomb. But remember. That if God. If you have. Sought God's wisdom, his guidance, the Holy Spirit, that all things are going to work out. It might not just be the way you thought it or I thought it. So we have it here that Paul needs to take the vow along with these guys because he's the financer. He's backing them. Now, Paul doesn't have a lot of money, and he's brought money from all the churches that he's traveled over the past few years to the Jerusalem church. So there is some thought that he possibly had to go into that um, bank account to pay for this um, cleansing. Because he was the one who was going to present the money to the priest. So he had to be purified too. That he was the sponsor of these four guys. Verse 27, now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, here they come, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. All of that, all those things I just read are lies. That is, Paul didn't do one of those things. But yet, these people started this rumor to try to get Paul in trouble. Remember what they did to Jesus in the courtyard? Same thing, stirred up the crowd. Verse 29. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. So here is a friend of Paul, traveled from Ephesus. They figured since Paul went into the temple, most likely he had to bring this guy into the temple too. Rumor. No facts. They threw out the facts. They just want to get Paul in trouble. And basically, more than just in trouble, they wanted to kill him. Verse 30. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. So he was in the part of the temple for the Jewish people. They ripped him out, They brought him out into the court of the Gentiles and they closed the doors so it couldn't be defiled by anyone. They didn't want anybody going in there who wouldn't be accepted by their religion. What I love about this church is our doors are open because we want everybody to come in. All ages. We don't care what they look like. We just want them to get Have a seat. Meet some of you and sit at the feet of Jesus and allow His Word to work in their hearts. And that's an awesome thing. Why? Because we're not under the law. We're under grace. Imagine where you and I would be without the grace and love of God. Wouldn't be here. We would not be here. And I don't, want, I don't even want to think where we might be. Verse 31. Now, as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Now, you have Antonio, the Antonio Fortress. If you ever look at a picture of it, <clears throat> it almost looks like it 's attached to the temple wall. It might have been because if the, this would be like the uh, t- you guys and girls would be say the where the temple is, the temple Mount. If I was a soldier in the Antonio fortress, i 'd be up like at this height, looking down, so I could see everything that 's going on, and you might say, well, why was that so important? Well, you have to remember. That the Jewish people were under the thumb of Rome. Rome dictated what was going on throughout most of the known world. So a lot of stuff happened at the temple. And remember, at this time, there are tens of thousands of visitors. I'm going to say more. Over a million visitors are coming now to Jerusalem. Because of Pentecost. They say you can fit over 60,000 people on the Temple Mount. Now the Temple Mount is when you see a picture of the walls of Jerusalem. You see the gold dome, which belongs to the Muslims. That's the Temple Mount. It's huge in there. Over 60,000 people can be standing in there. So you can imagine... What's going on? I want you to picture everything that's going on. So, why are they concerned? Why would they be always looking down? Well, because there were was the hope among the Jewish people that the Messiah would come one day and would knock out Roman rule and would set up the Messianic rule, the Messianic kingdom. But there were a lot of Rebels who are always trying to cause problems or help God along. And earlier, matter of fact, they even think that Paul could have been this guy who years ago had about four thousand men that were with him, and they were like dagger men. They would have daggers and they would go in the crowd, and if they were getting near a Roman soldier, they would shank him. They knew just how to go right into the part of his armor. So they were always on the watch for these revolutionaries. They were always looking for somebody that was causing problems. So they always try to keep order all the time. So now the commander sees what's going on. He sees this uproar. He sees what's going on with Paul. He doesn't know who Paul is. So in verse 32, he immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. They think around 200 or 300 soldiers he took with him, And they come right down out of the fortress, right into the courtyard, right into the temple area. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Because the Roman soldiers were like the Navy SEALs or special forces. You did not mess with them. They were trained high tech. They said a couple thousand Roman soldiers could beat larger armies of eight to 10,000 men just because of their training, how they were. So these were guys you would not mess with. And they knew that these were ordinary people or whatever that were causing this problem. So they backed off. Verse 33. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And remember, um, the prophet in the last chapter, right? He was talking about you're going to be chained. You're going to go to Jerusalem and you're going to get chained. So we see the prophecy, I think it was Agabus, right? Um, gave that prophecy. So now we see Paul being chained and being uh, asked, what's going on? What are you doing? And verse 34 says, and some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. So the commander wanted to remove Paul to try to stop this mob, this craziness that was going on. Verse 35, when he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. So they actually had to pick Paul up and keep him up high so the crowd couldn't rip him apart. Verse 36, for the multitude of the people followed after him, crying out, away with him. In John nineteen fifteen. with Jesus and the crowd the crowd cried out away with him away with him crucify him pilate said to them shall i crucify your king and the chief priests answered we have no king but caesar when they're saying here in this verse away with him away with him they're basically saying kill him get him out kill him just get him out of here we don't want him alive anymore Verse 37, Then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I speak to you? And he replied, Can you speak Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? This commander was blown away that this rebel, Paul, who he thought was an Egyptian assassin, is now speaking Greek. And that got the guy's attention, the commander's attention right away, because he spoke eloquently, He spoke unlike the people that he dealt with. And he said, there's something different about this guy. He's definitely not the assassin that I thought he was. Because those guys in the wilderness, the assassins, they got most of them, but the leader got away. So they thought this was the leader, but it wasn't. Verse 39. But Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. And I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. So now Paul, guided by God's Holy Spirit, is choosing these words to a man that could have him killed. The wisdom of God. To be walking in the Spirit where you and I should always be because of the craziness that is in the world. You know, it says in verse 30, and all the city was disturbed. I think that's true of every city on the planet right now. So how much more should we be guided by God's Holy Spirit to have an answer for those people that we come in contact with, whether they're believers or unbelievers. And notice what Paul says, I am a Jew from Tarsus. He said, this is no mean city, meaning no ordinary city. Where Tarsus was, that was the capital of the region. It was huge. Very important city. And anybody who was born there was a Roman citizen, recognized as a Roman citizen. Verse 40, so when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people. Now remember who he's motioning to. A crazy, violent mob. So now he's brought up about 60 steps. They carried him up 60 steps. And before he's taken away, where he disappears from the crowd, he asks the commander, Can I speak to the people, please? And because he could speak fluent Greek that impressed this commander so much, he gave him permission to do that. And Paul is standing on the stairs and he motions with his hand to the people and notice. And when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. So Paul now changes his language that he spoke to for the commander, Greek, into the Hebrew language. But how does somebody who a mob wants to kill raise his hand and everybody's quiet? This is the power of God's Holy Spirit. This is a God thing taking place. You can't explain it in human terms. It's the power of the living God. Paul, being led by the Spirit, is right in tune with what God's telling him to do. And also, tremendous again, Paul starts speaking to them in Hebrew, which quiets them even more. And in verse 1 of chapter 22, he says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard he spoke in Hebrew, they grew all the more silent. When we are in the position of influencing anyone for Jesus with the love and grace of Jesus, He will give you the words. He will settle the hearts of those people. And that's what God calls all of us to do at this point in our walk with Him. We don't believe there's much time left before we are with Jesus. Take every opportunity you have to pray for each other. Pray for strangers. Look for opportunities to point people to Jesus Christ. Love them with the love of Christ. Show His grace His mercy. And if you want to see uh, what Paul said, read ahead, and next time we'll get into that. But let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for each person who came out and who's listening on the internet, I just pray, Father, you pour out your uh, grace and mercy on them. Lord Jesus, I pray if there's anyone who tuned in or is here tonight that does not know you, or maybe not they're not serious about following you, that tonight they'll change that. If you're here tonight, or you're watching and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just going to say a prayer. And... Um, You can get started on your walk with Jesus. So just say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that you died on the cross for me. I know, Jesus, up to this point in my life, it's been a long and a winding road. But you're bringing me to you, Lord. So I ask that you forgive me my sins that you come into my heart. Lord, I just want to follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. We
0: just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions, or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.